on the block on demand. Without Jerry McNamara, we wouldn't have won 10 games this year. Okay? Not 10. Two seconds and one. It's 10 wins in a row for the Crunch. It's the biggest upset in the Carrier Dome in more than 30 years as the Orange hold off the defending national champion. They beat Clemson. The Bills make me want to shout. McCoy in the backfield takes the handoff, runs up the middle, breaks a tackle. He's inside the 10, cuts to the left, into the end zone. Buffalo wins. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Somebody in Vegas told them they were going to win by 20. They look at the positive side of things once in a while instead of the negative all the time. This is On the Block. Here's X-Men. ESPN Radio, 97.7, 100.1, ESPN Radio, Utica, Rome, now on 96.5 FM. Hello, Utica. Great to have you on board. Maybe you're listening on the ESPN app. That's great. We love that. We love you app people. You know, I was walking here to work today. I have a very short uh, commute of from the dot-com building over here. And in my short commute, my short walk, um, and don't get me wrong. I put my headphones in and I'm listening to podcasts and, you know, radio shows, this station on my ESPN app, right? Like I'm doing, I'm, I'm not very, you know, I'm not like waving everybody on the street and, 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 you know, Mr. Social. But what I don't get are the people that walk the streets with their face in their phone. Like it can't wait the block you got to walk to your car to see what's going on on Twitter or Facebook or something like it, that's amazing to me. But if you are one of those people, got your face in your phone as it is, you can listen to us on the app, the ESPN app. Download it. Find ESPN Syracuse. It's very easy to do. You just hit the listen tab and off you go. So when I bump into you because you got your face in your phone. At the very least, you could be listening to us on the ESPN app. I don't think that's a lot to ask. I don't. Here's how you get in touch with the show today. 437-7644. Brent Axe Media. Brent Axe Media on Twitter. By the way, that's not an old man alert. That is not an old man on the porch. Are you kids in your phone? You gotta get that's just common courtesy. Look where you're walking. That's not a millennial thing. That's not a, you know. Old man doesn't get a thing. That's just, can you look where you're going, please? Can you tell someone bumped into me on my way over here today? Did, did, did I did I bring up that point? Anyway, here's how I get in touch with the show. 437-7644, Brent Axe Media on Twitter. The text line, for those of you people with the face of the phone, 288-0644. All great ways to get in touch. All great ways to participate. Would love to hear from you in any of those ways today. We have two guests that will join us today. One of those is the head coach, Jim Beheim. He joins us every Thursday here on the block, presented by Ferron and Son Funeral Home. Throughout the Syracuse basketball season, always great to get the coach the day after a game, always great to get the coach a day after 
a big win. Huge. Billy Fusillo, huge win. On the Block is presented by Fusillo Automotive. That's a big win. And I know that the calendar is not flipped to December quite yet. There's a whole lot of basketball to be played, but it felt like a big game. It felt like a must win if you want to put it that way. And Syracuse took care of business, despite something that I will certainly discuss here momentarily, and that was the abysmal officiating that we all had to deal with watching that game. This is not just a Syracuse thing. This is not just complaining about a game. And if you listen to the show for a period of time or follow me on Twitter or wherever, you know that I don't blame refs for things. I'm very cautious to do that because you just have to play through it. They're humans. They make mistakes. Counting on officials to be unbiased and good at their job and all this stuff. There is a lot of good officials out there, like our boy Pat Driscoll here locally. But Pat Driscoll can't work Syracuse games. So, therefore, we get these Big Ten officials last night. That, And I don't really blame them entirely. But that was unwatchable last night. It was unwatchable, not to mention some of the calls that they made, some of the calls they missed, but mostly the calls they made. I mean, what are you looking at? The guy is drunk. They pay you for this? Seriously? You're a professional? So, yes, I feel a rant coming. Trust me. It's the old Dennis Miller show on HBO. I don't want to go off on a rant here, you know, but Genghis Khan, you know what I mean? I am going to go off on a rant. So we will do that coming up. Uh, we got to figure out where Syracuse is going bowling. And our friend Joe Giglio from the Raleigh News and Observer wrote a pretty interesting piece today that Syracuse is just kind of waiting on what the Big 12 does. Camping World Bowl is still certainly a possibility for Syracuse, but don't rule out the Pinstripe Bowl and some other possibilities, which I think we've been saying all along, but the way that Joe phrased it today, I want to get him on the show, kind of hear what he's thinking. And the reason I'm bringing on Joe, there's a lot of people that do bowl projections, and that's what you do this time of year, right? Joe does his homework. Joe does the work. He talks to people. He's got sources. He, uh, The way he does projections, I respect it. This is just not a guy who's throwing up a bowl projections post every day because it gets some clicks. No, he does the work. He knows how this goes. He knows the process. Trust the process, right? I don't know if we trust it, but he knows it. So we'll have Joe on as well. I want to remind you that this Sunday night at 6 o'clock, we are going to break down the Syracuse football bowl assignment, whatever it shall be. You will hear from Dino Baber, Syracuse players. We'll look at Syracuse's opponent. The Syracuse Bowl Preview Show, presented by the Wildcat Pizza Pub. It is Sunday night, 6 o'clock, right here on ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. So when we find out, get right here to ESPN 97.7, 100.1, or listen on the ESPN app and your first opportunity to break down, hear about, and know all about Syracuse's Bowl Project. So you're telling me Greg Robinson's back in our lives, huh? <laughs> yeah, sometimes the world just smiles at you, you know? It's like you know I do a radio show for a living. All right, just, just low-hanging fruit right there, which I will not resist by any stretch of the imagination. But, yeah, I do want to start with Syracuse basketball. Now, let's start where we should there. That is a big win. That is a huge win. That is an important win. I know it's November and. You can make this more of a moot point by having a solid ACC schedule. So that whole thing about playing in the toughest conference in college basketball, if you come out on the top side of it, if you are one of the top, I don't know, pick a number, six teams in the ACC, 
your non-conference slate, while important, is not the be-all, end-all. But given that Syracuse has straddled the line of the bubble a lot in the last five or six years, we're experts at this. We know that these wins can come back to help you or haunt you in the case of if you don't have enough of them. So Ohio State was a biggie. They're the number one team in this net ranking thing, whatever that is. It's important today, but it's like a thermometer. It'll look different tomorrow. It was important that Syracuse needed to win a game that had some meat on it. Colgate got them back on track, but they had to go out and play defense like they're capable of, shoot like they're capable of, show that they are a team that can and will get better. They did that. They won on the road, which is important. But the biggest thing that stands uh, that stands out in that game last night, to me, is how Syracuse had to deal with absurd officiating. This is, and we'll talk to Jim Beheim about this later in the show, because I wanted to get Jim's perspective on where is this coming from. This is not just that game last night. I have seen this around college hoops this year, and the easy answer is, that the NCAA committee has put it out there to make the calls. Which to me, this is like, you know, a local town saying, we're a little short on speed ticket revenue this month, so you know what you're going to do? Everyone that goes over the speed limit, you're going to pull them over. I want 56s and 55s. I want 31s and 30s. I want if you do not let the car rock back on the stop sign, wait the three seconds you're supposed to wait and go, you're going, I want jaywalking, I want it all. Just because the rules are there does not mean you have to enforce them to a T. I think you kind of prioritize what needs to be enforced. There are too many rules in life. There are too many rules in basketball. There are too many rules in a lot of things, right? I think when it comes down to it, can we just focus on the important stuff? And that's what basketball needs to do. It is amazing to me how anyone, wherever this comes from, can sit in that room, consider that, do it, approve it, and leave out the most important aspect of this, and that is you, the viewer. Now, it's important for the coaches, the players, the referees, the people that make their living in the game, the people that play the game, They need to do what's best for them. But how did anybody walk out of that room and say, this is what's best for our game, that almost every time down the floor, we're going to blow a whistle? I just have that scene from that Bad News Bears movie playing in my head. Let them play. Let them play. You cannot call jaywalking. You cannot give speed tickets for 56 and 55 and 31 and 30s and every little rinky-dink thing you can think of. You have got to let these teams play. Last night was a farce. Last night, and it is something about when Syracuse and Ohio State get on the court together, because we all remember the Elite Eight in 2012 and how absurd that was. It is just striking to me how arrogant officials can get that the people sitting in the arena and the many people sitting at home are there to watch them and how self-important they think they are. You are there to enforce the rules. You are there to call what is in front of you. I'm not saying referees don't serve a purpose, but computers can do your job. They can. But we like the human element. We like the judgment call. We like people that know the game. And you don't want one team to get out of hand 
in that sense. I understand the role of the official, but when they abuse the power that they have or they're being told to call the game the way that they are, tell me how that is good for basketball. I don't want a free-for-all out there. I don't want the old Detroit Pistons throwing elbows and getting away with things. And refs have a tough gig. But you know what? I don't feel bad for them. Well, that's a tough job, you know, what they do out there. It's a thankless job. Yeah, boo-hoo. They get paid pretty well at the college level to do what they do. It's a job they wanted, they signed up for, and know what comes with the territory. That is unwatchable, what we saw last night. And Syracuse, I give a lot of credit, fighting through it, not getting too frustrated. There were certainly looks at times. There were certainly moments where you would not blame any of these players had they flipped out. That fifth foul call on Barama Sidibe, I'm sorry, what? The call when Elijah, I lost track there were so many of these, but the call when (laughs) Elijah Hughes took a forearm to the chest, yet somehow that's a foul on him, the play on Tyus Battle, I mean, you name it. You name the player. And as Jim Beheim said last night, and has to be careful in how he does this, he shouldn't have to. He should have free reign to criticize these guys, frankly. But, you know, they get protected. They get put in their little bubble. They don't get held as accountable as the players and the coaches on the court do, which I've always found absurd. You're out there, too, doing your job. You should be held accountable. I want a ref in the press conference after Beheim explaining himself why he called that game the way that he did. How can we hide these officials? How come they're not accessible to the media? And once in a while, like a pool reporter gets to ask him one question. That I'm sorry, why? Were you not out on the court doing things with the players and the coaches, but we, we put you in a bubble and protect you? Why? You need to be as held accountable publicly as they do. Here's what Beheim said last night. You know, the foul line just killed us. You know, you had 35 free throws. There's a reason we play zone, and, and at the end of the year, we're usually plus 150 to 200 free throw line. It didn't work out too well tonight for us. And it worked out when Syracuse got to the free throw line because they were 17 of 19. Hashtag free throws matter 90%. But they did not get to the free throw line as near often as Ohio State did. And Ohio State is the physical team. They're the one that you would think would get more calls. Those were Big Ten officials. You can get into it any which way you want to. That was unacceptable, what we saw last night. And the NCAA committee, whoever I've got to point a finger at here, has got to reevaluate their priorities, has got to reevaluate what's best for the game. And has to remember, hello, remember us out here? We're watching this game. We're providing the ratings. We're buying the tickets. We pay your salary. There's no you without us. And if you make this product unwatchable, we'll do something else. I've never had more choices to do something else. This is the product. This is the game you want. This is how involved you want your officials. If they're being told to call every little thing, then you're wrong. Plain and simple. You prioritize what needs to be called. You give your officials the, dare I say, the discretion to do that. And I don't blame them in a sense. I hate to keep pointing fingers at them because they're just doing what they're told. But I'm sorry, they were drunk with power last night. And 
It is unacceptable. They need to reel it back and realize that that is not entertaining. And you are in the entertainment business. You cannot get in this little bubble of yours that you don't realize that you've got fans out there that name me somebody who wants to watch that, what we saw last night. And this is not even getting in the weeds of how bad they were, the calls that they did make, the calls that they didn't, the disparity in free throws that Jim Beheim referenced there, how one-sided it is. Syracuse won the game. It would be a lot worse today if they didn't. I understand that. And I, I feel like I can do this with any game. I just did this a few days ago in a different sport because if you watch the Bills-Jaguars game on Sunday, that was a farce. Walt Coleman kept could not keep that yellow flag in his pocket. And again, I ask you, I ask the powers that be, do you consider us when you do this? How does this make your game better? When there is a whistle after whistle after whistle after whistle. I got an answer for you. It doesn't. Let's go to the phones here at 437-7644. Our guy Joe from Lee Baldwin is going to give us our stock market update today. I'll tell you, stock down, college basketball officials. Dog today, college basketball officiating. That's my dog of the day. We'll see what Joe's got for us coming up here shortly. Let's get a couple calls in first. They'll fill in the car leading us off on the block, ESPN Radio. What's up, Phil? Ah, uh, Phil, your, your cell phones kill me, man. Give us a call back if you get a better connection. Let's see what Steve in North Syracuse has to say at 437-7644. Hey, Steve. Well, I had a sense of deja vu last night. Uh, uh, an embarrassing performance in New York followed by a tough road game against a physical team that's beaten us uh, in, re- in the recent past. And we stood up to them. Uh, got, we got off to a bad start, but came on to dominate the game. And then... Uh, we had to, to fight the officials as well as uh, the other team, and we were able to overcome them, too. It seems like we just did this last Saturday. <laughs> so, uh, and I had deja vu from 2012, too, Steve, in, in yeah. that Syracuse-Ohio State game in the Elite Eight. And uh, I actually put a poll, uh, a poll on SyracuseFan.com. Uh, did the fans think that last night's officiating was worse, or did they think the officiating in Boston on Saturday was worse? Uh, presently, uh, the Ohio State game is ahead 22-7, to but I had voted for the officiating in Boston because, while bad basketball officiating is frustrating, uh, bad football officiating is dangerous, and I thought that was more important. Uh, I also complained uh, on a previous uh, show today about the uh, flop and pop play uh, where the the Ohio State big guy uh, went down, uh, Jim Sadlin's words, uh, he went down as if he were shot with an elephant gun. (laughs) And uh, then the the guy behind them puts up a three-pointer that goes in, and they count the three-pointer. And it seemed to me that the flop uh, came before the three-pointer went off, and so therefore the three-pointer should, should not have counted. Uh, uh, you may hear from Pat today because he called in right after that. He said he just completed a course uh, to be certified as an official. He stated that 99% of all the calls officials make are correct. Uh, my response to that is you can have a call that's correct, but to your point, do you really need to make that exactly. call? Exactly. It's, it's the uh, old adage, uh, He Steve, also right? felt on that play that uh, the 
foul on the shot were simultaneous. I was wondering what, what you thought. Did you think that the shot came after the foul or at the same time as the foul? Uh, you know, I'd have to watch it again, Steve, to, to really have an accurate portrayal, that, to be honest with you, because all these calls are mixing in my head right now. So I'd like to watch that again before I really say it. By the way, Pat's not completely off. They're 99%. a little high. It's more like I'd say 90. They do make mistakes. They do misfire. They do get calls wrong. But again, just because you can doesn't mean you do. Let's get my man Joe from Lee Baldwin on here. He's been patiently waiting through my my rantings and ravings here. Joe, I'm sorry. I'm fired up. Officials got. How's it going, X? No, you you, you got the right to be fired up. I agree with you on the the whole ref show last night. It was just. uh, It was a dog, is what it was, right? You got diamonds and dogs. Exactly. Exactly. So since that was a dog, we're going to lead with the dog today. So we'll, we'll try. We'll we'll try to make everybody forget about Syracuse last night and the calls that went against them. Even though they won the game, though. So, you know, like you did say earlier, though, what we'll be talking about today if they did lose oh. that game? <laughs> Pitchforks. Pitchforks yeah. and torches. <laughs> exactly. That's what so we'll lead about. with the dog today instead. We'll go with Yeti as the dog of the day. Mm. Down three dollars and nine cents to sixteen eleven. Uh, and the diamond of the day today was Roku, uh, up a dollar ninety one, closing at forty dollars and eighty four cents. I think there's two items you just named there, Joe, that a lot of people are going to be considering for the holidays. So we'll see if we exactly. get Yeti yeah, stock that's why we up. Picked them. There you go, my man. Uh, Joe, thank you. We'll talk to you again soon. That's Joe from Lee Baldwin. You can find them at LeeBaldwin.com. You can find them in Casanova and Utica. Stop on in. They got the diamonds, not the dogs, right? And they'll tell you who the dogs are so you can stay away from them like we do every day at this time here on the block. Okay, I've got to get to a break. We can rant more about the refs, certainly talk some Syracuse basketball. Greg Robinson's back in our lives somewhat, though we just missed out on that. Has Syracuse played North Carolina this year? Can we petition the ACC to play them again? Please, pretty please, with a cherry on top. Well, I'll do it next. Stay right there on the block. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. That it is, friends. Glad to have you here on the block is presented by my favorite words to say this time of the year. Chocolate pizza. Oh, that's the gift. That's that's the money gift right there. You're getting nervous, aren't you? It's like, oh boy, I got to start thinking about gifts for coworkers, people you forget about. You know, it happens every year, right? Somebody gives you a gift, and you're like, oh, I didn't know. I was, we were exchanging gifts, but hey, Merry Christmas. Be ready. Be ready. Don't be like, oh, my gift for you's at home. I'll get it tomorrow. No, have chocolate pizzas ready to go from the chocolate pizza company. They've got a variety of great things, a chocolate pizza company, and everybody loves them. Everybody loves chocolate pizza. Nobody gets chocolate pizzas like, again, nobody re-gifts chocolate pizza. They love getting gifts from our friends at the chocolate pizza company. So load up, baby. This is the time of year to have great gifts ready to go. Grab a couple extra just in case because, you know, Bob and accounting got you something, and you're like, oh, hey, Bob, didn't know we were exchanging gifts this year. Secret Santa. I mean, it's all happening, man. Going to holiday parties. Have that extra gift ready to go. And Chocolate Pizza Company is the way to do it. Ladies and gentlemen, about 10 years ago to the day, as a matter of fact, we were graced with story time. The little engine that could. All right. The book is used to teach children the value of optimism and hard work. All right. Some would contend that the book is a metaphor for the American dream. In the tale, a long train must be pulled 
over a high mountain. The engine succeeds in pulling the train over the mountain while repeating. What did he say, Matt? That's right. Well, you know what? See, I still think I can. Poor Matt Park in that uh, clip uh, in infamy there. Uh, Actually, no, you can't. No, you can't. See, there's a track record here. When you go from place to place and you can't, then why should you be able to be given the opportunity to say you can again? Mac Brown reportedly is hiring Greg Robinson as his defensive coordinator at North Carolina, getting the band back together. Because, of course, G-Rob coached for Mac Brown twice, once upon a time back in Texas. It is incredible to me how, and look, nothing, no use kicking dirt on an old grave, beating a dead horse, whatever expression you want to use here. We have moved on. But that's part of the reason I wanted to bring this up. Not only that somebody actually considered hiring him again, given, look, his track record is awful. I don't need to remind you what happened here. He put up one of the worst defenses the University of Michigan has ever seen. I don't even know what he did at San Jose State, to be honest with you, and I don't think it matters. But it wasn't like he went there and turned that thing around. He has a track record of being a bad coach other than when he was with the Denver Broncos and some other stops between that. There was some success at Texas. It's not like it's just the whole thing's a complete turd. But it's amazing to me how these coaches just hire their buddies and don't think about, oh, you know, is he a good coach? Does he have a track record? Can he recruit? Can he compete? Is he the right person for 2018? I mean, there's just, there's got to be someone else, right? It's incredible to me. It's not even one of those things like, you know what, as a coach, maybe not, but as a defensive coordinator, my man's killing it. You know, as much as I wanted Paul Pasqualoni fired back in the day, Was it completely his fault what happened to Syracuse football? No. Was it time to move on? I think so. But it was a clear case of be careful what you wish for because what we got was Greg Robinson. Okay, lesson learned there. That's why I'm much more cautious these days when you call for even enter the territory of firing a coach. And my answer to that demand, that question, that thought, anytime brings it up on the show is what's your plan? Because the plan back then was, well, we'll fire Coach P and figure it out. Well, the people that were tasked with that completely botched it. By the timing of it, by not doing it when they should have, by you know, f- you know essentially firing Pascaloni right after the Champ Sports Bowl, and now you're a month into the coach hiring process, and Daryl Gross is tasked with it. And look, they, they got it right the second time because Doug Marone came in and turned the ship around. They learned from their mistakes of the first time around. But to have to go through... The 5-37 and G-Rob era, which Syracuse football is now just fully recovering from, and that's why I bring it up. That was 10 years ago. And I don't know if you feel like that was, you know, it was that long ago or if it was yesterday, but that speech was almost 10 years to the day. And think of the time it took, the recruiting cycles, three coaches since then to put Syracuse football where it is today, 9-3 and season, Great bowl bid coming this weekend. We hope it's the Camping World Bowl. We think it's the Camping World Bowl. We'll see if it's the Camping World Bowl. Joe Giglio is going to join us at the top of the hour to put some clarity into that one way or the other. It's going to be a solid bowl bid for Syracuse, and they won nine freaking games this year, and they have the coach they need. They have the coach that has brought Syracuse back to prominence and looks like he'll continue 
to score some wins on the recruiting trail as he did today. Thanks, Brent. You're welcome, Coach. So that's why I bring it up. Not to beat a dead horse, not to kick a man when he's down, whatever. And the guy got another job for him. You know what? In that sense, congratulations. There's one person on planet Earth that thinks you still should be coaching in college football, and that guy hired you. That was 10 years ago. Like, I hear that speech, and it feels like yesterday, but it also feels like it was it was so bad. And Syracuse football took so long to recover from that slowly but surely that it, 10 years felt like it took 20 out of us. And at the very least, can we please petition the ACC for Syracuse to play North Carolina again because that's the crossover game and it only happens, what, like once every six years? And No, 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 no. We, I don't know who it is next year. I think it's Duke. No, we need to play North Carolina again. Next time I get Wild Hack on the show, I'm, I'm going to essentially, I'm not going to ask, I'm going to tell him to call the ACC and say, no, 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 we need this to happen. You got a new network coming in next year, right? You know what would be a great television? Greg Robinson against Syracuse. Tell me that's not a ratings winner for the ACC Network. You are welcome. I just scheduled you a terrific primetime game. I saw that today, and I swear on everything, I thought it was a parody account. Because there are times in life, more often than should be, in today's society, yay, democracy, where you think that's coming from a parody account, but no, that's real. I thought that was a sports parody account. That happened. That's real. Now, I don't think it's official yet. I think the last we knew before we went on the air was that Mac Brown was interviewing him today. But if they've made it this far, it's probably going to happen. Although, in today's era, if you get enough public blowback, social media can, you know, organize people quickly to say, what are you doing? And they would have every right to do that because there's got to be someone better. There has to be. Don't just hire your boy, hire the best candidate. Like I saw today, it's not official, but Clay Helton got kept at USC, but you know what he had to do? Fire everybody and start over, and he's trying to bring in Cliff Kingsbury. That's a smart hire. I don't know if they have connections before. I don't know if they're boys or not, but that's who's the best person I can bring in for that job, and you know what? It's him. It's not just one of my old cronies from back in the day. Because I think I... The little engine that could. That's okay. I I heard it once. I was there. I really don't need to go through it again. 437-7644, Brent Axe Media on Twitter. The text line, 288-0644. Joe Giglio, top of the hour, as mentioned, will try and sort out this bowl game mess for us. And the way he presented this today was not what Syracuse fans wanted to hear. So what's that all about? Who should Syracuse fans be rooting for this weekend for the scenario to play out that they will go to the Camping World Bowl? Jim Beheim later in the show, our weekly chat with the head coach. We're going to do some hot takes coming up next, including the two best teams in the National Hockey League play tonight. And one of those teams is your Buffalo Sabres. Why do the Redskins insist on trying to, how can I put this, defend the hiring of Reuben Foster? Because there's just no defending that. You can try all you want. There's just... Absolutely, positively, no defending that. That's just dumb. We'll get into that. Baker Mayfield with some interesting comments on Hugh Jackson and more. Hot takes are next. Don't go anywhere. You're on the block, ESPN Radio. Thank you. Bye bye.